welcome to this King's Church talk. We hope that you really enjoy it. If you have any questions, please email us on admin at kingscc.org or you can go to the website www.kingscc.org. Thank you. Yes, good morning and welcome again to King's Church, Cockermouth. My name is Chris, Chris Robbins. I'm one of the leaders here and it is a delight and a privilege for you to be joining us today. If you're a visitor, please feel especially welcome uh, as, you, as, you, as we worship God together and enjoy our time together. As a church, we've been looking at the book of Acts recently, looking at the coming of the Holy Spirit, and we've got to Acts chapter 2. We haven't got very far because there's so much we could say about Acts chapter 1. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and Acts chapter 2, verse 42, in the ESV version, reads like this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The book of Acts is probably one of the most exciting books in the Bible. When we read it, it's, it's hard to imagine the scenes that it is describing. In the previous verse, in Acts 2, verse 41, we read that 3,000 souls received his word and were baptised and added into the kingdom on one day. That's what it says. 3,000 people got saved in one day. Imagine. Imagine that in your hometown. Imagine that here in the town of Cockermouth. Imagine 3,000 people becoming Christians in one day. Think about Memorial Gardens over the other side of the river here. 3,000 people gathering in that park. 3,000 people receiving the pouring out of God, being baptised in the River Derwent, just along that, that bank there, just in front of the Cockermouth Castle. God pouring out his people on 3,000 people. Get people gathering, not in protest, not marching with banners, not proclaiming. No, people meeting with God, crying out to be saved, repenting and receiving from God and praising him. Imagine if revival like that came to our town or came to the, comes to the town where you live. In the following verse in Acts 2 verse 43, we read, Awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were happening. Imagine that here in our town. Healing, both mental and physical, deaf folk hearing, the disabled throwing their aids away, those who live in constant pain now pain-free and dancing with joy. A new day coming. The kingdom of God coming in like a hurricane. Where we live and we're in the, our little dining area of our house with windows over the valley there. In the recent days we've had a lot of rain as you would know and across there you can we could see the wind blowing swathes of rain across the valley and you think wow if that was the Holy Spirit soaking our town soaking our nation soaking the nations oh Lord Jesus come 
send your spirit. As we read it in Acts, let us be reading it as if it's in our own town. We heard last week in Acts 2 verse 42, it has four elements into this sentence. Do you remember when you were at school learning English grammar? Maybe you are still at school learning English grammar. For many of you, it may have been a long time ago that you were learning English grammar, but remember you were learning about nouns and adjectives and phrases and sentences and adverbs, verbs. I remember the teacher saying to me, what's a verb? I'm thinking, I haven't got a clue what a verb is. Well, a verb is a doing word. It's an action word in a sentence and every sentence has a verb. It's a word which tells us that something is being done or has been done or will be done. It's an action word. I'd like to read Acts 2, 42 to you again. This is just one sentence. And I'd like you to identify which word is the verb. Now I'll make it a little bit easier because I'll stress the word which is the verb. So you can think, oh, he's stressing there. That's probably the verb. So I want you to listen out for the action word in this sentence. Here we go. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Yes, you got it. The action word, the verb here is devoted. It's an action. It's a doing word. And they were doing it to themselves because it says they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread and to the fellowship, etc. So what were they devoting themselves to? Well, the four things that I've just said, the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayer. And last week, Patrick explained to us so helpfully about being devoted to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And this week, I'm going to talk about being devoting ourselves to the fellowship. Fellowship. The fellowship. It's a, what is this? What does it really mean? I mean, to be honest, it's a, it's a, although it's a scriptural word, we've just read it in Luke's account in Acts, so it's in the Bible, but it's a bit of a churchy word, if you know what I mean. The fellowship. Some churches have fellowship in their name, but it's a, or it's a little bit churchy and it can be regarded or looked upon as being a little bit inclusive, but in, in an exclusive sort of way. Actually, the church can, can be seen like that. If you're not in the church, it can seem that the biggest hurdle about becoming a Christian it's not the repenting and the receiving from God and being blessed and meeting with God, but it's being part of the church. The fellowship, am, am I really accepted in the church? Do If folk really knew me, I don't really fit in. I know God accepts me. I know God has forgiven me. I know God, I fit in with God, but does the church, does the fellowship, fit in with me? Do I fit in with the fellowship? Because I can feel shunned. I can feel disapproval. 
would I conform to their standards? I mean, they, they look so intelligent, these people in the church. They look quite well off. They've got nice clothes, nice houses. It seems that they've got their lives in order. They don't look like they're in debt. They speak differently. I just really don't feel comfortable. And I suppose some folks, I mean, obviously nowadays we, we watch church on television because that's the only way we can. But before we were, went through these times, some folk watch church on the TV. They can be a, a private Christian. They leave the fellowshipping and all that to, to the others. And they're much happier to be in their own little bubble. How sad. How unbiblical is that? Here Luke is writing in Acts 2, chapter verse 42, that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. With 3,000 folk added in one day, who were they? Were they all the same sort of folk? No. Completely different backgrounds coming together. Jews, Greeks, masters and servants, men, women, young people, all different backgrounds coming together. That's what I love about the church community today. We become friends with folk, to be honest, we wouldn't normally mix with. Different backgrounds, different stories. And we become good friends, we laugh together, we eat together, we share lives together, we share experiences together. The social side is important. However, the biblical version of fellowship is much richer. It's much deeper than just social activity. True fellowship involves getting together for spiritual purposes, for sharing needs, for prayer, for discussing God's word to encourage one another to comfort and edify and build up one another and to encourage one another. In these times of restriction of movement, not being allowed together in groups, not being allowed to gather as a church together, even in the supermarket, only one person now per trolley to go shopping, it's now more than ever we must be devoting ourselves to the fellowship. How do we do this? Well, firstly, be nice. Be nice. Be a blessing wherever you are. In the supermarket queue, in the aisles, in the aisles in the supermarket. I have to be honest, I find this the hardest place to demonstrate the love of God. I seem to get behind the slowest shopper in the store. And they seem to always want to stand and check their shopping list right in front of the article I want to buy. And I'm trying to keep my social distancing. I'm all masked up. My glasses are steaming up. I get in a bit of a muddle and, and, they, and you say, come on, come on, keep moving, keep moving. And then I think, no, Chris, you're going to be old one day. <laughs> now, let me explain. A few years ago, I reached my 65th birthday. And we, my wife and I, Gail and I, were out for the day. And on the way home, a girl said, oh, I just want to nip into, 
into the grocery shop and just get a few bits before getting home. And I said, well, I'll stop in the car. You nip into the shop. So I stopped in the car and she was quite a little while and she came back and put the shopping in the back. And I said, that was a long time. Oh, she said, I said, was it full up? It was a lot of people. She said, oh, heaving with pensioners. I said, excuse me, dear. I'm a pensioner now. Oh, she said, yes, it is. But it's not easy. It's, uh, <laughs> so... But the biblical definition of fellowship isn't just the sharing of friendship. I mean, we can do that in golf clubs. The sharing of a friendship can be done in your gym or your rambling societies or other, other clubs like that. It says in, in uh, Paul wrote in, one, in the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, and also chapter 12, Verses 27, Paul wrote this. Just as the one body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptised into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free, and all were made to drink of, of the one spirit. And in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You see, fellowship is first the sharing of a common life with each other through a relationship with God, through Christ Jesus. We were all individuals with little in common until the Father called us from everywhere else in this world, from everyone else. That we were part of the world and you heard a calling and you became like one of those 3,000 that we read in the book of Acts. They were called, you're called into one calling. We became part of Christ's body through his spirit. You see, fellowship means we belong to each other in a relationship because we sh relationship because we share with one another the common life and grace of Jesus Christ. That's what pulls us together. And from this flows additional sharing of our time, experiences, wisdom and many other things. Loving Jesus and making him known. This type of life is attractive. There is an attraction to people who live like this. Resulting is that in that we love each other and we love people. Gail and I keep a box of tissues on the coffee table in the lounge. And we are often touched when we see something which demonstrates the heart of God on the television. An example of that was last Sunday evening. I cut this a programme on Sunday evening called Country File. I guess some of you have heard of it. Some of you may even watch it. Well, last Sunday we happened to be watching Country File and boy, did we need that box of tissues. What a weepy one it was. What was happening, Country File were talking about the Children in Need campaign that comes on every year. 
and they were showing some folk achieving almost impossible challenges while raising money for the charity. They even had Bear grills encouraging these folk as they were doing their challenge. And these folks, some of them were disabled, some of them had difficulties in, in their lives. It was a real weepy. I tell you, it really was. And you could, you could almost see God's heart pouring out. Watch it on iPlayer if you can, last Sunday's um, Country File. Fellowship means that we belong to each other in a relationship because we share with one another the common life and the grace of Christ Jesus. From this flows additional sharing of our time and experiences and wisdom and many other things. You see, when, when we watch something on the TV and it moves us emotionally, why do we cry? Because it's, we see the heart of God. We see God weeping for his people. Weeping. Jesus wept for his people. Oh God, save our folk. 3,000 were saved in one day in Acts. Lord, let that be in our town. Let that be in our day. Let that be in our nation. Am I saying it's easy? No. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes there is a cost. Let me tell you a story. Many of you know that girl and I lived in Mexico for some years and I was a teacher of English and I would give classes and I'd drive, you know, go drive to the, these big businesses and give their classes and then drive home in the evening. One evening I got home, it was about seven o'clock in the evening. It was hot, it was sticky. I'd been teaching most of the day and I pulled in the drive and shut the gate and I was walking in the front door and just about to kick my shoes off and girl said, oh, hang on a minute, Chris. Don't take your shoes off. We've got to go to a funeral. I said, what? Yes, we've got to go to a funeral. Um, such and such brother was killed in a motorcycle accident today and we have to go to the wake. Now in Mexico, you, you're buried almost the same day or the next day, very quick. So there is a wake and so I said, well, who's died? Well, I don't even know the name of the guy. So I well, why do I go? No, Chris, the culture here is if you're part of the church, you're part of the fellowship, you go because the brother who we know, is, it's his brother that's died. So you go to the, to the funeral. But I'm hungry. I haven't had dinner yet. I'm sticky and hot. No, no, come on, we just lock the door. Come on, get in the car. We'll, we'll go down to the wake. And we did. And the place was packed, full of the church, supporting this young lad where his brother was killed. I was hungry. I was saying, come on, girl, but when can we go? No, we can't go yet. Well, come on, I mean, I'm hot, I'm hungry. No, no, this is what we do. Supporting one another. We're one. No, we're part of the church. This is what the church does. Now, I know that's cultural for Mexico over here. We don't do things quite like that. But there's the example. There's a cost to it. How else can we devote ourselves to the fellowship in these times? Well, we can use the phone. When the Holy Spirit brings somebody's name to your mind, give them a call. Send them a text. Send them an email. Just, just a few words. Those few words can make all the difference. 
drop them a line even, put a note through their letterbox, knock on their front door and wave to them through their front windows. Whatever you feel is right, include people. I heard this phrase the other day and the phrase is, look for moments of togetherness in times of uncertainty. Look for moments of togetherness in these times of uncertainty. Let's do this. Who knows how long these restrictions are going to be with us. And as a scattered people not being able to meet together, let's make the most of the opportunities, as limited as they may seem, let's make the most of these opportunities in spreading, in spreading the love and the grace of Jesus in the lives of both friends of ours in the church or the fellowship, but also in the lives of those that live around us. I spoke briefly this morning to the postman. I was saying to him, well, I, I guess you're going to be pretty busy in the next few weeks with all the lockdown and people buying online. And he looked so fed up. He, he really did. But just by thanking him and saying, hey, have a good day. May, you, may the day go well for you from now. May it all work for you. Do you know, he positively looked brighter. Thank you, he said. In our devoting ourselves to fellowship, let's look for those moments of togetherness in these times of such uncertainty. To quote Bear Grylls, Christianity isn't about a religion. It's about a real relationship with God. Being held, being forgiven, finding joy and finding home. We can share this with others in our community. As we face weeks of not being able to go out except to the supermarket or just for a little exercise, let, let, let's be a blessing of Jesus in our communities. Remember the stories of the Apostle Paul when he was in prison or when he was confined. He used the time to write letters to churches. He wrote the letter to the, to the Ephesians. He wrote a letter to the Philippians and to the Colossians and also to an individual named Philemon. I never know how you say that word. These, these three letters to the churches and one to this one guy sometimes are known as the prison letters. He made a difference in his circumstances. What can we do in these times? Can I leave you with a challenge? Are you making the most of these circumstances? It's so easy to be swayed by others, to join in with the, uh, join in with the lowness and the depression that people seem to have. So easy. The media and the press keep feeding that. No, be swayed by God. Ask yourself, let me ask you this question. Ask yourself this question. What do you want me to do? Ask that of the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do in these weeks ahead? As the evenings are drawing in and clocks have gone back, and you can say, no, what do you want me to do? 
Just, just think on that for a moment. What is God prompting you to do? You don't have to tell me. Just, just do it. Be a blessing. Be a ray of light. Be a ray of hope in your street, in your road, in your town where you live. Thank you for listening. And God bless you. And I'll see you soon.